This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast, and uh, today I'm really excited. We've got a longtime friend of mine, Noble Gibbons, on the podcast. Noble, welcome. Good to see you, my brother. DB! <laughs> Noble and I met uh, about 15, 20 years ago through work we were doing with Excess at the time. That's right. And, um, and I've been down, Noble, are you still living in Fayetteville? I don't even know. Are you still living in Fayetteville, North Carolina? We moved to Colorado Springs. Oh, dude, Colorado Springs. Beautiful. Because um, I know I've seen you in Fayetteville before when, uh, right. when we were doing some things down there on the, at Fort Bragg together. Oh, that's right. Getting some, some tactical training. Um, <laughs> <laughs> had an absolute blast down there with you. And it's great to hear you in Colorado Springs. Uh, we were sharing some texts about your podcast. And I said, hey, why don't you come on mine? I'd love to hear what you're doing. And it turns out, you know, Kick Aspirational is all about helping people break through barriers in their life. And one of the things that I think, I mean, you guys are all about that in your lives. You have been for a long time. But you and your wife, Kathy, just started a new business called EQ for Entrepreneurs, which is Emotional Quotient for Entrepreneurs. And you started in February, just, just rolling into COVID, um, which fits really well with this COVID series I'm doing, interviewing people about new things they're starting during COVID that are kind of taking off. So um, we can talk about our background a little bit, Noble, but maybe can you give us just a snapshot on what EQ for Entrepreneurs is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, Dave, good to see you, bro. <laughs> I'm just going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and crack an excess uh, while, we're, while we're here. Awesome. That's great. Cheers, so yeah, yeah, cheers, brother. So EQ, Emotional Intelligence. Um, has been around a long time, but uh, due to my the, the the emotional clue bus drove by my house a long time ago, and I did not get on. And so, a few years ago, went to counseling because I, I had yelled at my wife a few times in a span of a month. She's yeah. like, "Dude, three things: number one, don't ever yell at me again. <laughs> number yeah. two, you've never yelled at me before. So number three, that means you got issues. Like, what's, what's happening? Yeah, what's going on here? And so we started going to counseling and. He introduced me to this revolutionary new concept called emotions and feelings. <laughs> and wow! So, <laughs> yeah, brand new. Just just happened last last uh, this year. Brand new, brand new. <laughs> so I'm like, man, where, where do these these two things come from? Like, I've never heard of these things before. And so, um, so I'm like, and, and so we started this very intentional emotional growth journey, and for three years. And I'm an entrepreneur, been an entrepreneur for twenty plus years, multiple different businesses from government contracting business with special operations guys to executive coaching, to network marketing, to uh, all, all kinds of different businesses. Yep. And after my emotional growth journey, or, it, you know, obviously I'm still in it, but uh, it, it has absolutely single-handedly impacted my life more than any other thing in my life, probably outside of my faith. Excuse me. And so I'm like, babe, like, man, let's start a podcast because I can't be the emo only emotionally clueless guy out there. There's got to be, you know what I'm saying? There's got to be. Many guys, many guys. <laughs> There's got to be other nobles Hi, My name's out there. Dave and I've been emotionally clueless at times for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. And so I'm like, man, so I, I'm like, babe, even if, if for nothing else, if nobody listens to this thing, I'll be able to go back and remind myself of my own lessons as I'm going along. And so you know, so I mean, we're, 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 we're been homeschooling our kid uh, with a program called Classical Conversations. So we have a homeschool network. Yeah, but you're homeschooling with what? It's called Classical Conversations. So it's a it's a classical model of, oh, of, cool. of homeschooling, which is super cool. And so we have a big homeschool network, a big military network, because that's my background and a, a business network. And so 
I'm like, yeah, so, so let's, you know, we can target all three of those areas, military, homeschoolers, and entrepreneurs. I said, but let's just start with entrepreneurs because that's where a lot of my lessons are at right now. And so we started, so we started the podcast. And as a result of the podcast, we started back in February and uh, we've got, we just started a, a, we've got a course, a, a course, an eight week course teaching emotional intelligence oh, wow. and uh, has spoken to uh, uh, some organizations, some military organizations, putting together a workshop for a buddy of mine. I was telling you earlier, a CEO who's got a, you know, he wants his whole executive staff trained on emotional intelligence and stuff. So it, it's, it's growing. And then obviously in 2020, bro, where, you know, lots of, of emotional issues and trauma and all kinds of yeah. stuff. It's a great time to start. Well, I, I think to your point, you know, I mean, there's, we've had, you've seen a lot, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it too. Uh, we've, we've had a number of friends and family members who have, you know, when they're, you know, it used to be, I mean, I used to travel 10 months a year, right? Um, you were traveling all the time too. You're gone a lot, um, working hard, whether, when, you know, you were in the military, then you were building a business of your own. And I think, you know, it's easy to kind of escape some of those issues just by being gone or by, hey, look, I'm gonna throw more money at it or, or different things. This COVID's really shaking a lot of people up because uh, it's like living on a boat. You can't get away from people. Like you're you're locked in, you gotta deal with some of that shit, right? So, um, um, so, so tell us, so you started out, your background, you went to West Point, yep. you were in the special forces. Tell us a little bit about that. No emotional training, no emotional quotient training there. Yeah. So, so I'll even start before that. So okay. I was raised in a household. My mom's a four foot 10 little Mexican lady. And my dad was a, a six foot four, big giant white guy. Yeah. And so, and so, and I think part of it is too, is, is, is my parents' generation they didn't give a rat's rear end about your feelings and emotions, right? They right. never talk about feelings and emotions. So in our house, whoever yelled the loudest won. That, right. that, that's, that was our, our conflict. And then and then we'd stomp off into our respective corners of the house because we'd piss each other off. And then we'd come back an hour later and literally act like nothing happened. Wow. Hey, so how, how was the weather? How, you know, how the bears do? Or how, you know, how the, right? And so we never, there was no conflict resolution. And so-, so stuff and avoid bro i got phds and yeah. stuffing and avoiding feelings <laughs> and emotions and then i choose a very warm fuzzy college experience right at west point yeah also did don't care about feelings and emotions right and so and then i choose a great career field in the infantry where again uh, i went to airborne school learned how to jump out of airplanes and ranger school and and nobody is talking about feelings and emotions <laughs> Right. Well, they're talking a lot about stuffing and avoiding, right? It's like yeah. bury that stuff. We don't 100%. want to hear about it. Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly right. Because it's soft skills, right? And and back in my back in the old school days, right? Soft skills, like you know, I don't care about soft skills. Like right. teaching how to shoot better. Right. Well, now folks are getting more more aware of this stuff and realizing that our 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 soft skills absolutely impact the bottom line. Right. Well, especially in the new form of warfare, right? I mean, the new warfare everything that's been happening in the Middle East, they're learning that, I mean, stuff that probably was originally sort of soft, you know, early develop, develop in Vietnam, but I think it's this guerrilla warfare, winning a village to your side. There's a lot of salesmanship and engagement that has nothing to do with bullets, right? That you have to kind of figure out. 100%, in the, the army, the way we say it is the hearts and minds, you got to win the yeah. hearts and minds. Right. But if you don't have an emotional intelligence, it's very tough to win hearts and minds. Right. And especially when, when your whole model, the culture of the organization, is to stuff and avoid and then go and win the hearts or minds like how does that you know? work yeah. <laughs> right, right so uh and so anyway um i was in the you know 82nd airborne division uh so i was just conventional i wasn't a secret squirrel guy 
uh, a lot of friends that are, and yeah. it's, it, it's, um, so anyway, so 82nd did that for a handful of years and then, and then got out after that and then started my business journey and have been a kind of a serial entrepreneur, um, you know, for quite, quite some time and just realizing, you know, the, the, the impact again, the direct, in fact, I talked to one of my, my military buddies, he was a battalion commander at the time. So in charge of probably, uh, let's say, let, let's say four or 500 people, maybe 600 people when you talk about the different uh, side units and stuff. And I, I asked him, I said, hey, as a battalion commander, have you ever seen any instances where emotional intelligence or lack thereof has impacted the battlefield? And he said, Noble, I can give you a specific scenario where a specific real life scenario where there are 72 soldiers that are no longer alive wow. because of a personality conflict between the division commander and the brigade commander. Can you tell us about that without giving away too many classified details? He, he, he didn't go into to, to details yeah. um, as, other than, than saying that um, the, the division commander uh, chose to pursue, let's say course of action A, we'll call it, yeah. um, in, in spite of, of the brigade commander giving him a very different tactical scenario that was going on, but because it wasn't his idea, the division commander's idea, right. Right. Pride, ego, and, and they had kind of butted heads previously. He said, no, we're doing course of action A, period. And, and, and as, again, as a result of that, you know, you know, 72 soldiers are, are, are no longer alive. That's that's massive. Right. And then right. And, and that's that's military scenario. The business scenario, David, you've probably seen it. I mean, 100 times. Sure. H- how much. Uh, you know, our emotional intelligence plays into decision-making and culture and so many different aspects of business nowadays. Right. No, I, I think to your point, you know, um, the higher up in an organization you get, the more that EQ matters. Um, you spend most of your time managing people and trying to understand why people do the things they're doing and either redirect them to help them get the, the job done or, you know, I think one of the great things about, about direct selling is, you know, you're dealing with, it's, it's largely an, ar- an army of volunteers, right? So persuasion is really what you're doing most of your work with. And there's, there's very few sticks that you can use. It's mostly carrots. And so I think the EQ becomes fundamental. Um, and and it's, a, it's a new set of tools most people don't have if they just come out of a big corporate environment or big military environment where it's very top down and, and um, you know, it's, it's structured by coercion. Um, so I know to your point, I think it's, it's one of the more difficult sets of tools to learn to use. But I also think that once you learn to do that, most people much prefer to use those rather than sticks or coercion because they're just not very effective, right? Um, it's much more effective to get people to want to work with you and to want to win with you and to follow your vision than it is to try and force them to do things they have no interest in doing. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I feel like, you know, the army uses authority and position. Yeah. Corporate America is the same, you know, in many cases, similar, the same yeah. thing, authority and position and emotional intelligence requires, a, in my opinion, a higher level of leadership uh, uh, be, because it, it relies on influence and relationship right. versus control and, and, and manipulation or, or, hey, do it because I told you to. I'm, I'm a higher VP than you or whatever. So you got to do what I say. Uh, the other thing too, the dynamic is I, what I've noticed is both in the military and in corporate America and in some direct, some, some direct sales organizations that use a very authoritative right. kind of, kind of approach, 
you wear out your superstars so much faster in that oppressive environment versus when, when you do it through relationship and through an emotionally healthy culture, I feel like you, you can get more out of people longer in a more positive, and it's a win-win. They enjoy it. You enjoy it. It's a win-win right. versus, versus the former approach. No, totally. And, and ultimately you start losing people, you know, regardless of how much you're paying and regardless of all the perks and benefits, if, if people just, you know, don't find purpose and don't find meaning and don't find, you know, a connection and values around their work, which I think generally how you persuade people, generally how you engage people emotionally, um, you know, the, the other stuff stops, stops mattering and they'll find other places they can, they can be happy. That's right. Um, so, so how did you, how did you get to a point where you went from, I mean, you've had successful business, successful, successful military career, successful business and entrepreneurship career. You've owned your own businesses. Recently, you have this kind of epiphany about your own um, emotional state and emotional sense of well-being and emotional tools. How did you make this transition from, you know, leading people, doing the other things you've been doing to, I'm going to start a new business that's all around this eight-week course, or, you know, actually tell us more about it. So is, is, is the business based on the eight-week course or what's what's the business based on and how did you make that leap? How did you make that change? Yeah, so so uh, the, way we, the, the way we made the change is how do we serve people more effectively? How can we be more effective at teaching people these tools of emotional intelligence and emotional health? Because one of the things I say a lot is, well, I say a couple of things a lot. One is emotionally health. So, so uh, hurting people hurt people. Yeah. And are easily hurt by people. Right. Conversely, emotionally healthy people help heal other people emotionally. Right. And so for us, because of the, 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 the literally the life transformation, business transformation, marriage transformation, faith transformation, parenting transformation, you know, transformation, all these different areas of my life. I'm like, OK, what's the most effective way that I can begin teaching other nobles that right. have been as clueless as me? this this process our process what process that we use and we've read tons of books and podcasts all kinds of resource counseling and stuff but i'm like okay let's for us let's package it in, in our own little system that we've been using and so you know eq has four primary components there's a lot of other ones but four primary ones there's self-awareness self-management social awareness and social management so self-awareness self-management so excuse me, social awareness, social management. And so each, so the eight weeks is, is basically covering two weeks on each of those areas of those four oh, wow. areas. And, and, and how long is each, so two weeks, is it like daily or, or is it, is there reading and then like classwork or how, how does it, how does it come together? Yeah. Great, great question. So it's a, it's, it's all delivered digitally mm -hmm. um, or, or a, per, a, a portion of the course is delivered digitally. So we have, so we have four modules, you know, each module, self-awareness, self-management, social, right? And, and, and in each module, of the four modules, we probably have, let's say, 10 to 15 different video lessons that go along with each of those modules. So and they're probably five to 10 minute videos. Oh, wow. So little short blocks of instruction. Yeah. So, so week one, we open up the first module of self-awareness. And, and now you've got access to 10 or 15 videos, little five to 10 minute videos. And there's also a big workbook that's that you for each module that you can download okay. to kind of follow along with uh, with each module. And then at, and then each week we do a live Zoom 
group coaching Q and A discussion time to kind of be able to discuss, you know, the different, the different um, lessons that are learned and stuff like that. Cause for me, part of learning anything new and this, so I'm going to tie in some homeschool stuff here. So our classical model uses a fancy Latin term called the trivium, which means three roads, which just means grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. That's the classical model learning. And we all do it. Everybody does it. If I want to learn uh, free diving, I have to learn the first phase of the grammar. Like what does free diving even mean? Right. What is, what are the words that are unique to free diving? And then I'm going to learn the dialectic phase, which is now that you teach me the words, okay, well, how, how does the, 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 the wetsuit go with the, you know, this, right? How do I start putting making, together. Yeah. Putting it together. And then the rhetorical phase is now is when I'm able to teach this stuff. So right. for us, we're wanting to, we incorporate the classical model kind of into our course. We're wanting to teach it classically in a, in a bit, in a, in a kind of in a way so that there's discussion along with your own personal learning, because again, the power of learning in a community is, is very powerful, but also um, it's therapeutic. There's some, there's literally some, some catharsis to, to learning in community as well. Right. Do you do this with any sports? Are there teams that uh, benefit from EQ? Oh, there t- tons of teams, but I have not, we have not branched into the, the athletic space yet, but yeah, that'd be another space for sure. So it's really it. all teamwork, right? Whether you're military or a, 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 a high functioning classroom or, uh, or business, they're all teams that have to learn to function together. And emotional intelligence is a, is a core component of that. That's right. And, and there's a there's another great book um, called Culture Code. Okay. Culture. I'm writing Code. these things down. I'm taking notes. Nice. <laughs> this is my new. This is my new uh, notebook. It says uh, <laughs> piece together recollections of drunken escapades. It's uh, it's not actually that, but it just I thought it sounded funny, so it's my notebook. I love right. it. I love it. So say that. Say that book again. It's called Culture Code, and, and it's an excellent book. Talk, and, and this guy, the, the author, studies all high-performing teams. So SEAL Team 6, Google, Apple, you know, uh, big, 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 giant, world-class teams. And then he did an assessment, right, and found out the trends and put all these different things. Well, part of, of creating a healthy, high-functioning culture is, is having emotionally intelligent people. Right. Right. It's tough to have a, a, a high, um, high performing culture with low EQ members of, of the team. So, um, you know, culture is another huge aspect. Another one is called Changes That Heal by Dr. Henry Cloud is another excellent, excellent book uh, about kind of EQ and emotional intelligence. And then Boundaries is another powerful book by the same author, Dr. Henry Cloud. And then another of course, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is a great book. And then Emotional Intelligence by the OG, he's kind of the guy that <clears throat> Goldstein, I think is his name, um, who kind of uh, was kind of one of the early guys that, that um, started the, the concept and really made it popular. Um, but those are a handful of the books that yeah. have been very, very helpful for us. In our you journey. know, a funny connection, the, um, my college roommate who was a Navy SEAL and then worked in some of the, um, worked for one of the, the, uh, the groups on the ground at, you know, during the Iraq wars that where they were training a lot of the special forces. Um, but he, uh, his brother-in-law's, he was killed in Iraq, but his brother-in-law is, uh, that's why Skyler was out visiting you guys. Cause Skyler told me, I want to go be a Navy SEAL like uncle Mark. And I said, well, then why don't you go visit, you know, Noble and Gabe and some of the guys and Steve, some of the guys that we've worked with, you know, for Prague and uh, actually live it, like be on the ground. You guys gave him some great insights. 
Um, he hasn't gone into the special forces yet, but he had an amazing time at Fort Bragg. That's um, awesome. But, uh, but Henry is Mark's brother-in-law. So um, I've been fortunate to meet Henry a number of times. Great guy, really, really amazing dude. And his books on boundaries and, uh, and um, changes that heal. I mean, just great, great content. Very helpful. Yeah, yeah. game changer, game changing stuff for sure. So those are the books you're reading. And as you're, so you've been doing a lot of work here. What was the point where you discovered that you were missing EQ yourself? I mean, I know you said, you know, your wife, obviously you're reacting to somebody you love who's telling you, hey, we got a problem here. Um, you care enough to listen. I had a guy on, Kelly James Clark, his professor who teaches ethics. And um, we were talking about bias and how it's really, really hard for most people to see their own bias unless they intentionally go and look for it, which most of us won't do. There has to be some kind of a usually some kind of an impactful event that gets us to do it. Tell us a little more about maybe sometimes you've bumped up into your lack of emotional quotient. And I would guess that when Kathy finally said, Hey, don't do that again. We, that may not have been the first time that uh, the first warning signal. Oh man, hundred percent. Great question. So th there's another book called leadership and self-deception by yeah. the Arbinger Institute. And that's a, another massive, excellent book leadership and self-deception and uh and it, it, it talks there's one one study that they did ten thousand executives from this one company how would you rate yourself in the company and 90 percent of the executives put yeah. themselves in the top 10 percent right, right, right. <laughs> right. people do this so a friend of mine studied with uh phd in psychology now but when he was doing his phd work he was studying eq um and David Pizarro, and, and he worked with Elizabeth Loftus and some really interesting folks, but he, um, he was telling me years ago, I met up with him and his wife at Yale when he was doing some of his work at Yale and then later at UCI, but he was saying, this is true for anything. One of the studies they do is they ask people just in general, how do you rank yourself in driving? And almost everyone will rank themselves in the top 80%, which is obviously impossible. Um, he said the only people that rank themselves accurately are usually clinically depressed. So there's a direct connection between optimism and, um, and, and accuracy and depression and accuracy, which is unfortunate because they're uh, unfortunately not directly connected. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. Well, and it kind of goes back to our bias thing. So to, you know, back to your question, you know, I, I, um, you know, it's funny because I've, I've struggled with depression and stuff for, for throughout throughout much of my adult life, too, and uh, and, and really intensely for uh, for a handful of years, very, very intensely. Um, and but but and so that was one thing, too. That was one indicator for me. OK, so, man, I've, I've, I'm going through some, this super dark phase and it was for a, a period of years. And, and, and I you know, and I'm, I like, you know, I've, I'm a Christian. That's my faith background. And I like to say that I've got this this close relationship with the Lord. Well, clearly something was up. Right. So I'm like, man, how can, how come I can't out faith my depression, right. Or out faith, whatever this issue is I was having and, and not again, not even realizing this other dimension of every human being, right. We it's, it's like blood. You can't right. live life without feelings and emotions, but yet how many of us get training on, uh, on, on how to handle and deal with and manage our emotions, not, for the purpose of becoming some warm, fuzzy, kumbaya, you know, led and controlled by emotions, actually the opposite, so that we're not controlled 
by our, our, by our feelings and emotions, informed by our feelings and emotions, but not controlled by them. And so for me, I had a number of instances in my life where I had gotten triggered and immediately went, I call it Hulk mode, right? Trigger reaction. Yeah. And with no buffer, no processing. My wife, even, I remember after one of our, I call it intense family fellowships, (laughs) after one of our arguments, she's like, dude, can't you like, from the time you get triggered to the time you like start throwing crap around the room, can you like, just think about it before? I'm like, babe, no, I, I don't even know how to, it's like, it's like the, the knee check, right? You're, you bump the knee and your knee comes out. Like, I'm like, babe, there's no process time. I don't know how to do that. It's because I had no tools, no awareness, any of that stuff. And the other thing too, that happens, uh, the other dynamic is it's fine and, and, and dandy, right? When we're children to stuff and avoid, I'm saying fine and dandy, but I'm, it's not, but let me, let me explain that. Right. So I stuffed and avoid as a kid. And here's the other crazy thing that I didn't realize. So we have emotional experiences and emotional injuries before we're even able to speak. Sure. So we never go back and, and, and unpack some of this stuff, right? These emotional injuries that happen. So, so a lot of times what I'll say is it's, it's it, our emotional injuries and our stuffing and avoiding starts off as this cute furry little monkey. Right. right. And it, and it's fine. But of course, the more you do that over the course of, of, of five years, 10 years, decades, and you do it like me, four decades worth of stuffing and avoiding that cute for a little monkey turned into King Kong. Yeah. Right. And now I can't control him anymore because the, the amount of emotional injury has to, has surpassed my ability to control it. And that's why we see people walk around angry, frustrated, you know, despair, bummed out, you know, all these different issues that we have and, and, and not just that, but also the physiological stuff, dude, as soon as I started working on my EQ, I'm down 40 LBs, bro. Oh, 40 pounds. Oh, now, I'm, not quite, I'm not quite bringing sexy back like you yet, but <laughs> bro, like, you know what I'm saying? And, and dude, I've done 5,000 diets, man. Yeah. Not realizing the emotional component of, right. you know what I mean? Well, we've, we, I think we met around one of the early ones, right? R- around an excess positive trim kind of program. That's right. Yeah. You're right. Um, well, and, and you know, what's funny. So I was going to ask you, do you do, um, are, are there breathing exercises or meditation that you do that to help you kind of, you know, see yourself separate from the emotion and the reaction that naturally occur? How do you, how do you create that distance? What's the practice that you have to get that distance? Yeah. So that's great. That's a great question. So for me, it's, it's, uh, so a couple things. One is journaling. And, and the journaling has helped increase my mindfulness. Right. And another thing, honestly, that's helped me out, it's kind of weird, is, is jujitsu. My, my daughter and I do Brazilian jujitsu. Oh, great. And it, it has been funny, you know, because you get put in very uncomfortable positions on a pretty regular basis. Right. And, and you, my normal, in fact, not just mine, anybody's normal response when, you're, when someone is choking you We'll is, to go, yeah, yeah. is to go into spasmo, right? right? Just start freaking out. That's, you know, fight or flight or freeze, right? Fight, fight, freeze is typical, our typical response mechanism. And in jujitsu, you can't do that, right? Because right. you, you begin to lose cognitive ability when you go into that mode. And so that's really helped my EQ out is because I have to, I have to practice mindfulness. Right. Okay. I'm getting choked. Okay. Where, where is it? Where, 
where's the point that I can impact this choke the most uh, with the least amount of effort to give myself a couple extra breaths? Right. right? So it's making me become more aware of my body. Okay, where's my neck at? What position is my chin at? Where's my left arm at? Where, right. And so that's also helping with my mindfulness and awareness of, 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 of how I'm feeling and, and, and where my body is at and all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. We, um, actually this weekend I'm hosting a Wim Hof, uh, breathing, uh, meditation thing here, but we have friends that do Kundalini that, um, I'm just reading breath by James Nestor, another great book on the importance of breath and breathing. But I think, you know, most basic meditation is really just focused on your breathing and being aware and focused on kind of the air coming in, air going out and kind of distancing yourself from all of the other things going on around you so that you can actually be present. You can actually be mindful. You can actually see yourself separate from all of these reactions that you naturally normally have, even, even physical reactions like you're talking about jujitsu. We have have a lot of that in free diving as well, where you sort of have to, you know, when your body's screaming at you that you're out of air, if you simply just close your eyes and go to another place, it'll feel like you get a whole nother lung of air back. Oh, um, wow. That's so a very similar kind of, kind of behaviors. But I think there's a lot of patterns that, that map really, really closely. Yes. Here's another thing too, is, is a, is a prevent, it's, it's more of a preventive uh, exercise too, that has really helped me out. And I got this from one of our counselors. He said two or three times a day, and you can even do it around your meal. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or morning and evening or whatever. And it's a great exercise you can do with your friends, your family, your coworkers, whatever. Okay, you guys meet, boom, it's breakfast time. Okay, uh, and, and you can Google emotion wheel. If you, yep, there's this yep. wheel of emotions, right? You can Google it, emotion wheel. And for somebody that I had literally no grammar for emotions, like no, like Kathy, there was one time, it was, it was, it was really funny. One time where I had gotten totally emotional, I started crying, literally tears coming out. And she's like, dude, what's up? What do you, what's going on? I'm like, I have no idea. She's like, well, let's start at 10,000 feet. Are you happy? Or are you sad? I'm like, I have no idea. I couldn't even, yeah. I was not even aware of, of, and that's like EQ 101 is like happy or sad, right? Are you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I couldn't even do that. So the emotion wheel, again, is part of that grammar. So boom. So we, you know, it's breakfast time. It's okay, Dave, you know, uh, pick, pick an emotion on the wheel, right? And you can close your eyes and, and pick one. You can look at it and pick one, but just boom, your finger lands on one. Okay. Fulfilled. So let's say we're going to do fulfilled the emotion of fulfilled. So now we're going to say the, um, the most recent time I felt fulfilled was this morning when I went to my jujitsu class and I learned a new leg lock and I was able to drill it pretty well. That's the most recent time I felt fulfilled. Right. Then I go to the earliest time I felt fulfilled. Let's see the, the earliest time I can remember feeling fulfilled was in the third grade when I was on a fast break and I made my first bucket in a basketball game (laughs) as an example. Right. And the reason why you do that is, is you're beginning to build your, your EQ mental and emotional file fulfilled feels like, because before, but again, before my emotional growth journey, I had no idea what fulfilled felt like. Right. You'd say, Hey, what's fulfilled feel like I, dude, I have no idea. I don't know. What, I, I don't, 
I don't even understand the question almost, right? So there was so no map, actually, right? Yeah, no emotional map or no kind of schematic to kind of put it against. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so, and the, the one of the rules of this game is I can't use you in my analogy of that particular emotion. Mm. Right. So if, if I land it, so let's say my, my emotion is anger. Well, you know, Dave, you know, the last time, you know, you made <laughs> part of my hair, I was angry. Right. And now we get pissed off and argue. So you can't use the other party in this exercise of your analogy of what, you know, when you felt that, that emotion. So the point of that exercise is it's, um, it begins to get you familiar and expand your emotional vocabulary so that when you are, trying to feel present and maybe whether it's breathing or jujitsu or free diving or whatever you can now label because what the brain is a master label machine right and it, when it can't label an emotion or feeling it just bounces around and causes that's what causes stress and anxiety right right but as soon as the brain can start to label oh this is disappointment this is rejection this is frustration this is uh, 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 anger now the brain can file and start to work on those different emotions. But when you can't label the emotion, the brain, it, it causes stress and anxiety. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, getting back to one, just being aware that you're angry Two, that, you know, now you can address it and you can say, Hey, wait a minute, I'm feeling anger. Why am I feeling anger? Should I be feeling anger? <laughs> right? These are all great. I mean, if you can take the time between what used to be trigger reaction and say, Oh, look what's happening to me right now. Why is that happening? Should I be doing this? You know, there are times when maybe you, you should have a like righteous anger or something like that. And you should be embracing that emotion. Other time where it's just horribly inappropriate or your reaction's about to be horribly, horribly inappropriate. Um, and you need to kind of manage that. Uh, I love how Elizabeth, uh, um, uh, shoot, her name just, eat, pray, love. Uh, her name just jumped out of my head. Elizabeth, um, Liz Gilbert. Uh, has this thing where she says, you know, sometimes she has to push herself into a new area where she's got a lot of fear. And part of the way that she deals with it is she addresses the fear itself. And she says, thank you, fear. I know you're trying to help me. I don't need you right now because I have to do this other thing. So I'm going to leave you over here and go do what I have to do. But I appreciate what you're doing, fear. And she has this whole self-talk thing she goes through. But I think to your point, first key is knowing that it's fear. Second thing is, um, having a contextual map for it. Like, is this healthy fear? Is this unhealthy fear? You know, great white shark probably should have used that fear to help me get out of the situation, right? Or whatever it is. Um, or not, or do not flee. You will be eaten, right? Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and the big thing is to, to give yourself permission. Number one, like you said, identify it. But then, so that's the self-awareness piece. But then the self-management piece is now allow yourself uh, the, the time and the space and the permission to process that emotion, allow yourself to feel it because there's not right or wrong feelings and emotions like, Oh, that's good feelings. And those are bad feelings. It's, it's pleasant and unpleasant. They're not, well, that's wrong. You shouldn't feel that way, Dave. Well, well, no, it's, it's how you're feeling. Um, but there's, but like you said, there's a, there's maybe an appropriate time to process and feel that emotion. And there's an appropriate way self-management to, to, to process that feeling and emotion, one that's productive, not those that are harmful or, or unproductive. Absolutely. No, that's really, really helpful. And um, so how does someone access it? You have a podcast, you said as well, correct? Yep. So podcast, YouTube channel. So the podcast is EQ for Entrepreneurs. The YouTube channel is EQ for Entrepreneurs. 
we have a we're on Facebook as well, Instagram, all the same EQ for entrepreneurs. Um, if someone has any questions, it's just info at EQ for entrepreneurs.com. Um, and yeah, if, if they start accessing your, and do you have workbooks and, and do you have a book published yet? Not yet. So, so that's something I'm, I'm working on, but the, the course, our, excuse me, our next course will be launching mid January. Okay. That's when we're launching our, our next course. But they can go like, to is that like a public course that people can access via Zoom or via some remote way? Yep. So if they if they just go to eqforentrepreneurs.com, they'll be able to put on go onto a wait list and they'll start getting emails and all our details and stuff about when we're launching it. Well, that is incredibly cool. And you and Kathy teach this together? Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. We do it together. Now she 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 doesn't do the uh, speaking gigs. So when I go and do speaking stuff, she, she doesn't typically roll with me like that. Uh, she can, um, but doesn't prefer to. So, but yeah, yeah, she's very much involved in the, in the course for sure. And do you, how has COVID impacted this business? I mean, you obviously started this just as COVID was locking down the U S how is it working for you now? How do you, how do you manage it with COVID? So it's, it's great. Cause it's, it's all digital and virtual now if, for, you know, like, so this one, the, the course I'm doing, I'm putting together for one of my buddies, he is, it's going to be a combination. So I'm going to go do some on-site stuff and, you know, supplement it and augment it with, with virtual stuff as well. So, but the good thing is, again, for most, for the most part, it's a couple of the different speaking engagements done for some of the military organizations uh, and military units that's been via Zoom. So, or Microsoft Teams. So it's been, yeah. it's been fine. Well, that works great. You don't have to travel as much too. So it helps you stay at, stay close to home a little bit, maybe. Yeah, that's right. That's great. And are you doing this with homeschooling? Are you teaching this to uh, to students as well? So haven't yet, but that's another that's another market too because uh, you know and and again another area to talk about how it's impacted us, bro. Is my as my emotional growth has increased, it, it has completely changed my parenting because now I've got a lot fewer and less intense triggers yeah. than I had before with my daughter hitting the old teen phase, right? So she's thirteen. And, 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 you know, she, you know, her, with her personality, she's got a personality uh, that, that, t- that can be very emotional. Uh, but she, but because we've been teaching her this EQ stuff, she's been doing great. Dude, she's faster than me at identifying what emotion she's having. And she processes her emotions faster than I do. Right. So it's been, it's, it's completely changed our whole, our whole lives for sure. Well, having the awareness is such a huge first step, especially at that age. I mean, it's stuff that most of us weren't taught you know, particularly given our age, just wasn't something that was available to many of us. That's phenomenal. Our, our older, you met Skyler, um, yeah. who's 26 now. He's in graduate school up at Loyola Marymount and he's just finishing his master's and will go into PhD work probably. But he's been, uh, his work is in, in English literature, but particularly rhetoric. And uh, he just published an article with some um, co-writers, co-authors in philosophy and rhetoric, all about, and part of the, part of the, 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 the article was about how um, trauma scores our DNA. And, um, you know, it's, th- there isn't a lot of uh, research yet on what that scoring actually does. But, uh, you know, but they're just from what we observe, right? And some of the things we've talked about today, it seems like that trauma not only probably scores our DNA, but impacts how these reactions occur. And I think I'm just kind of going on a, on a limb here and you can correct me or, or, you know, disagree. But I also think when we learn to 
breathe differently, calm ourselves down, manage our blood pressure and all those sorts of things through these practices and give ourselves more awareness. Um, it also allows us to maybe change our DNA in ways that allow us to kind of manage that and not be so reactive and not, not have to carry that trauma in hurtful ways. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I did, man, I'm trying to think of the episode number. I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, we interviewed one of our friends is a trauma therapist okay. and she's phenomenal. And, and one of the episodes in our podcast, she, we interview her. What's and, her name? Uh, her, her name is Bethany Matheson. Bethany Matheson. I'll see if I can find it here very quickly. And she shares some great insights about uh, the impact that, that trauma has on our lives. And she said that the impact specifically that uh, COVID has had right. Right, on our country. She's like, our, it's like almost everyone in the country has experienced some sort of trauma because that's so, so the other dynamic, you know, is just about what we're going through in our country is, so we, we you know, everyone knows, or I say everyone, I'm being a little exaggeration here, exaggerative. Um, you know, a lot of people know like the details of COVID and all that stuff. Well, what's not talked a lot about are all the emotional consequences Absolutely. of being locked in our house alone and social distance and the masks and, you know, domestic abuse that's gone up and suicide that's gone up and all these. Arguably know, worse, arguably worse than the physical impact of not that I'm not trying to diminish the impact of COVID, but COVID has, you know, has killed a lot of people apparently. Um, but, but more importantly, I think everyone's been affected via some version of the pandemic trauma. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And so she, she talks about, you know, in, in the episode here that, that, you know, there, there's probably a very few amount of people that, that have not experienced trauma during this, this COVID experience. Right. And, and again, who, who knows where it's going, right? Who knows right now we got the, the, the whole we have a pretty good idea. It's just like J curve right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, I shouldn't be laughing, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty brutal. Um, yeah. Hopefully we'll have a, a vaccine, but um Episode 49. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we are vaccines, but you know, <laughs> right. Bethany so, Matheson. Yeah. Episode 39. I found it. It's episode 39 on our podcast. How to start healing your trauma is the, is the name of that episode. And she, she shares some excellent, excellent uh, insights and stuff. How long have you been doing your podcast? Since February of, of last year. So coming up on a year. Oh, wow. And you've got 39 episodes. You do like, do you do one? No, we, we've got, we've got uh, 80, let's see, we're at 89 episodes right now. How often do you put them out? Uh, Monday and Thursday. Every Monday, Monday is typically oh. a, a long episode. Thursday is a short episode. Good for you. And then we, you know, I've got a number. So a lot of my classmates, college classmates from West Point are CEOs and, you yeah. know, big, big folks. And so there I've, I've interviewed a number of those folks from my buddies is at NASA a, a couple of one that I just recently did are McKinsey, been at McKinsey for a number of years and now CEOs and stuff like that. So their insights on EQ and stuff has been really oh, fascinating great. as well. I can't wait to, to spend more time listening to your podcast. It sounds like it's a good fit for uh, a lot of things we work on here at Kick Aspirational, which is a lot of self-work. Um, That's right. Yeah. You know, you're talking about as a child dealing with trauma. And um, one of my earlier podcasts was uh, I've been reading I've been watching the Mr. Rogers documentaries that are out and I'd read his book, uh, some books about him autobiographically. And somebody pointed out that he always gave away this book called Deep and Simple. 
And um, so, I, so I bought the book and started reading it. And it was, has a lot to do with meditation and mostly with just generating self-awareness of your emotional state. He says, you know, Mr. Rogers says, you know, uh, feelings are, feelings are uh, uh, what do you say? Everything that's mentionable is manageable. And basically saying, you know, it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have emotions. We need to talk about these feelings and getting people aware of them, dealing with them and then managing them. But the thing that was profound for me was this deep and simple book. Not only he gave it away to everybody, which made me want to read it and discover why. There's a lot about meditation and you know simple breathing meditation, but really starting to understand yourself and get control of your own feelings. And these programs had really proliferated. That the, the authors started proliferated in prisons because there's a lot of people in prison that have you know some issues with emotional quotient, their, their EQ, right? Right. Um, not only awareness, but managing it and 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 dealing with those outbursts when it can get brutal. That's right. Um, it's incredibly helpful. Do yeah. you have? You, go ahead. Yeah. So just a couple of things about the childhood thing. A couple other things, uh, points, big points that I've learned over the last few years is nobody leaves their childhood unscathed. Right. Nobody. So right. you, you will, even if you have to leave it to beaver parents and, and like, they're the greatest and all this stuff like you, cause, cause there's a whole nother dynamic called emo, uh, a childhood emotional neglect. So that whole dynamic is not what happened to you, but what didn't happen to you that should have. So right. when, when you needed that emotional connection with your parents or that emotional support and they weren't available or, you know, whatever. So that's a whole nother dynamic of EQ that, uh, that is very real, very, very real. And there's two books. One is called Running on Empty by Dr. Janice um, Webb. It's spelled J-O-N-I-C-E, but it's Janice. And then her second one is Running on Empty No More. And those, both those books are on childhood emotional neglect. Powerful, powerful, powerful books. And, and so it's about childhood emotional neglect. Again, not, not what happens to you, but what doesn't happen to you. And uh, so, so you'll, so uh, no one leaves their childhood unscathed. Uh, number one, number two is, I, and I got this from one of my other buddies who did another episode that, that I was able to interview on how to raise emotionally healthy families. And one of the things that he said, and when I was interviewing him, and I'll see if I can find that one, it is episode uh, 59, how to build an emotionally healthy family with Daniel Hagedorn, number 59. He says, if you don't deal with your emotional issues, your children will. Right. Right. And, and, and not just your kids, but your coworkers will, your company, your staff, everyone is going to deal with your crap if you don't. Yeah. No, there's a really, there's a Harvard Business Review article on sabotage uh, in a corporate environment. And, um, you know, we've all seen horrible dysfunction at companies or, you know, I'm sure you see it in the military, you see it anywhere there's people. And they had these psychologists, so they had examples, case studies, and they had psychologists talking about it. And what the kind of the assessment was is that most of these dysfunctional behaviors that you see exhibited in the workplace or in a team or in different environments, um, different human organizations, stem from how we were raised. Most people who sabotage projects have no idea they're even doing it. That's it's right. a subconscious behavior that happens. And, and I've, I've had this, I had this for years, um, some of the bigger places I've worked where you'd see this stuff happen with this person who can be wonderful on one hand and then does these horrible behaviors and they have no idea, it's, they're not aware of it 
and they're just acting out the way they've been trained to behave in that situation, probably at home. It's absolutely profound. And so your episode 59, um, how to raise emotional, healthy families, is it, it deals with some of those issues? Yes, yes. He shares some of that stuff and, and, and it's fascinating. And, and this is a huge, this is, I, I think, across the board and disclaimer. So I am not a psychologist, I'm not yeah, right. a psychiatrist, or I'm not a counselor, right? These are my own, my own lessons learned is that one of the most powerful things that, 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 that one can do in your emotional growth journey is for every, for every, uh, man, for every story, for every story that you have about yourself in whatever scenario, right? Whether it's a trigger, right? When you're triggered, why did you get triggered? Well, here's a huge thing to do is what is the origin story of that trigger? Mm. Where did it start? When did it start? Was it three? Was it five? Was it nine? Was it 15? What is the origin story? And if you can figure out and do that hard, emotional, worthwhile work of, of, of giving yourself reflection time, time to, 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 to meditate and pray or whatever, journal, man, wh like where did this trigger come from? Why do I get triggered every time my wife does this or this guy says this or my, my kid does this? Why does it always rub me wrong? There's something there. There's it's the prince and the pea, right? You got to figure out what that pea is right. at the bottom of the mattress stack to, to figure out how to. And, and once you make that connection, dude, every connection that I have made of, you know, and, and got healing in those areas allowed myself to feel that emotion. And because I, here's another thing too, dude, talk about childhood stuff. I'm a recovering people pleaser addict, right. dude, hardcore, bro, hardcore people pleaser addict and man talk about discovering myself for the first time try your entire life making every single decision to please somebody else that is that that story is the i mean there's a lot of comedians come from that um you'll hear like pete holmes or different you know different people that friends of mine but people that have will tell you these stories about, hey, the reason they behave this way, the reason this is their profession, the reason they get so much joy out of making everyone laugh is because they had to, the only way they could keep their home intact was by getting people laughing and not throwing shit at each other, right? Wow. Um, or Rob Bell, just I just had him on the beginning of this year and he has a new book out called Everything is Spiritual. And he talks, I think it's one of his best books. I mean, he's had some really famous books like Love Wins, but, and he's a trigger for some people, but his, his newest book, Everything is Spiritual, is amazing because he's done a lot of deep work himself and he and his wife both have. And, and he discovered that there was a death that occurred in their family that his, his father accidentally shot his brother um, hunting and their family never talked about it. There was this deep sadness that existed in their family. And it wasn't until his grandmother died that his father literally who was a federal judge in, in Grand Rapids pulled the family aside and said, you know, deeply emotional weeping said, there's something I have to tell you. And when he kind of unearthed this deep emotion, like he never, they never talked about how his dad's brother died until his grandmother died so that they, his father could actually tell the story. And it was like, he said, there was like, there was this thing that was always in the room that, you know, he didn't even realize didn't he wasn't aware of kind of consciously until his father said something and that that unearthed this whole backstory of his own that explained a lot of his like 
work hard behaviors. Um, you know, you're not pleasing God unless you're doing all these things. You know, the Mary versus Martha kind of, if you're familiar with the Bible, the Mary versus Martha kind of equation, right? Um, you know, <laughs> meditating versus doing kind of kind of behaviors. And um, one of the most profound books I've read, it, it's, he did a whole speaking tour on it this last year, but um, really, really, I, I think, you know, amazing and kind of along these same lines that until we're aware of why we're doing it, until we dig into that thing, until we unearth all of this, we really can't begin to change ourselves or change our behaviors or change our life. hundred percent. Here's a, here's a, a, a personal one for me is money. So imagine a business guy for 20 years, not wanting to make money. <laughs> right. And that, and so that, that's me. So, that, so, so what happened was, so here I am where we had, you know, started making, you know, a decent chunk of change and, uh, and in, in the business world and stuff. And, 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 I would, well, first of all, I would, I would never do anything with finances. Kathy would always deal with the finances and she, you know, and this, this is how, how bad, this is how bad it was. I would not even pay the pizza guy. I'm like, Hey, babe, pizza guy's here. Like you got it. And I would go, I'd go lock myself in the bedroom. I, and she's like, dude, like you went to West Point, like you're a pretty smart guy. Like, what is the deal with money, bro? Like you're, you can pay the pizza guy. You're choosing not to pay the pizza guy. So what's going on? Yeah. Right. Like what is up with you and money? And, and it would do, it was like kryptonite. I mean, it was like kryptonite for me. And, and, and cause the other thing too, of how it would play out in our business is I, I would sabotage. I would totally, the more successful we started to get, I would start to do some behaviors that would, Oh, oh we can't. Hey man but it wasn't conscious. I wasn't even aware of it. And so finally she's like, dude, like you got, what is the deal with your money? So man, prayed about it, started doing some reflection and, and boom, God dropped this in my, in my being. Uh, when I was, when I was, I don't know, six, seven years old. So I, we had a two story house in this little small town, Gridley, Illinois. And I'm on in our second upstairs and I hear this pandemonium going on it is like world war three going on downstairs i'm like what is going on because my dad big giant guy so six three six four 285 pounds my mom four foot ten you know probably a buck 20 soaking wet and uh my dad is a big giant teddy bear never yelled never raised his voice always chill cool as a polar bear's toenails and so I, I hear this yelling and screaming going on i come downstairs it's again six or seven years old and I'm like, man, what is going on? And I see my dad in the middle of the kitchen yelling and screaming, literally throwing pots and pans through the window, uh, you know, breaking stuff, chairs, breaking stuff. My mom is hiding behind the aisle, kitchen aisle, crying, screaming. So I get behind her crying, screaming, because my dad's looking like King Kong throwing stuff around, right? So finally the dust settles. He chills out. Mom chills out. Everyone chills out. And I and I'm listening to him talking. It was about money. Mm. And in my little six-year-old brain, seven-year-old brain, I made a vow. I said, if I don't know what this thing is, this money thing is, well, but whatever it is, if it can turn my little angel of a dad into Satan, yeah. like money is evil and I want nothing to do with it. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't know I made that vow at six years old. Right. Right. So how many vows and, and all these things that we have we done in our life that we're not even aware of? We've done it subconsciously, but it's in there. It, it drives our decision-making. And so finally, so now I'm a grown, grown, grown-ass man. And, and, you know, probably eight years ago, nine years ago, 
we had this conversation with my wife and, and this all this came to my came to my 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 forefront and i'm like holy cow that's why i want nothing to do with money right. this whole time it wasn't my intellect it wasn't my brains it wasn't my iq none of that stuff it was because i made this promise when i was six years old that i want nothing to do with money and just to follow that i mean you went from the military where obviously you're probably not making tons of money but you know you're getting paid regularly stable to becoming an entrepreneur right while you were in the military did you start your entrepreneurship journey yep. and was that were you pursuing money at that point or was it was it the like looking for an alternative way to be successful what was it that and the reason i'm asking this i think you made i think subconsciously you had set you had set this you had said something right you had made a vow you, your word is your bond. You you made a vow at a young age and subconsciously created this thing. Never going to have money ruin a relationship. Money's scary. I'm not whatever those issues were. But then consciously later, you're like, okay, I'm going to choose this path where I'm going to go from military to entrepreneurship. Typically, that's driven by you know the the, the points on the board are dollars, right? Right. Um, and there's other points on the board too. There's there's leadership. There's recognition. There's other kinds of rewards you get. Was, was money a conscious driver that you were subconsciously fighting or was money not really why you were doing it? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so great, great, another great question. It was totally not why I was doing it. Uh, it I was doing it for the outcome. For me, I wanted to be able to control my schedule, control my time, you know, Got have it. freedom, you know, the freedom and, and, and resources, you know, yeah. uh, to, to do, you know, what I wanted to do when I wanted to do them. But but money was not, was not part of my conscious. You weren't counting it. You weren't thinking about it. You weren't looking at it. You were like, okay, if we have more resources, I can do these things I care about. Yes. Money is the fuel, but I don't touch the wood. Yeah, that's exactly right. Kathy touches the wood. Kathy touches the fuel. (laughs) She does all that stuff. I'm going to go do all this stuff over here. You take care of that. You know what I mean? So it's good to uh, hear that Kathy still touches the wood. That's good. (laughs) That's a setup. That's not, fair. <laughs> it's not fair to Kathy or to you. Um, <laughs> that's right. That was awesome. Uh, we've known each other too long. Um, no, that's really, I think those kinds of things though are really insightful. And because a lot of us are dealing with that. And, you know, we're, look, I'm in my 50s. Hold, hold, do, you mind, do you mind me asking how old you are? Now? No, I'm 46. Yeah, so you're a young man. Um, but we're all, these are things that, particularly, I think as we age, if we're reflective, we start to uncover. I mean, Rob, my buddy Rob Bell just uncovered, you know, this whole dynamic that was fueling a lot of his behaviors, especially his drive um, that got him in trouble. I mean, really kind of wiped him out uh, that he couldn't, he couldn't put his finger on what was happening until he started doing some of this deep, deep, uh, deep work and his interior work that really uncovered it. You know, yeah. A hundred percent. There's a, another, one of my favorite quotes is, um, or, or in, I guess insights that, that we, we've gleaned is many people are successful for unhealthy reasons. Right. For me, why? So, you know, now that I, again, I've, 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 you know, become aware of all this stuff. Now I am really analyzing every decision I make. Am I doing it out of, out of a, a, a to, to please David Vanderveen or am I doing it because this is something that I, I want to do myself, right? Or what I feel I'm supposed to do, God's called me to do whatever, or am I trying to please somebody? Why did I go to West Point? Why right. did I go to Ranger School? Why did I go to jump out of airplanes? Why did I do all this stuff in my life? 
Um, and, and so many of my decisions, again, were based on pleasing other people. Do you think that gets manipulated? Do you think there's um, groups, like have you seen that in the military or entrepreneurial experience where maybe there's groups of people who either subconsciously or consciously, I'm guessing some of them may even be subconsciously, manipulate those uh, those tendencies and other people? Oh, man. That's <laughs> so... <laughs> a loaded question. That a setup? So, you know, here's the thing, right? So what percentage of people are walking around emotionally healthy? Uh, it's low percentages, I would guess. There's no, I mean, look at our nation. Yeah. What's the EQ of our nation? <laughs> right? <Okay>. It's <laughs> starts at the top, but yeah, it's not good. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, and you're, you're hundred percent right. I mean, we can, that we could build a very strong case about the EQ of, of, of a lot of leaders to start. By the way, both parties, I'm not trying to be partisan here. I think I think our political system is deeply flawed that way. Um, and I don't like either party very well, but there's some really unhealthy behavior right now in particular. But here's the thing though, and, and, and yeah, to, to the culture of our country, it like it celebrates low EQ. Yeah, it's two, two parties, which is just a binary like, and it used to be kind of a functional binary system in the last, you know, I'd say the last two decades, it's become highly dysfunctional binary. A hundred percent. I feel like the EQ, it goes down every single year, right? The again, <laughs> hurting people hurt people. The more right. dysfunctional we are, it's not like a dysfunctional parent somehow begets a functional kid, right? I mean, it's dysfunction. That's what we see, you know, a generational, alcoholism or or addictions or whatever narcissism yeah yeah fill in the blank of, of whatever the dysfunction is that's exactly right and so you you got to be intentional and, and this eq work is not easy work it's not sexy it's not easy but it's so worth it it's so worth it and so to your point to your question because there are so many people out there that have emotional injuries that have not been healed or, or repaired they're walking around emotionally needy when you get get exposed to an organization with a very strong dominant culture, healthy or unhealthy, that emotionally unhealthy person, emotionally needy person, I mean, it's 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 like it's like flies to a to a to, to fly paper. You know what I mean? It's a moth to a flame. Uh, that's that's what happened to me. I got sucked up in, in some unhealthy cultures that. Because I was emotionally needy, I was emotionally clueless, I was a people pleaser addiction. It was like I was the perfect, the yeah. perfect storm. The per, you know what I mean? You will work really hard to make sure that everybody's taken care of and you'll forget to take care of yourself probably a lot of the hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I will and because I never had boundaries, my family still doesn't have any boundaries. Right. My, my my birth and again, I love my family. I'm so thankful for them, but that's you know, they had a lot of things right, but that was another area they didn't have right. They had no boundaries. So again, what does an adult look like with no boundaries? Yeah. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. healthy. Well, you know, it's, we had that with, even with, with excess where, you know, our brand was built on a lifestyle. Laguna beach was sort of at the core of that, at least the, the place that that brand was built on. And, um, you know, we had a lot of people coming through our house, a lot of, cause you know, our business was so close. We had so many personal relationships with people around the world. And my and Sarah's great uh, and catches me with some of my own issues. And she said to me, you know, I'm fairly extroverted. She's more introverted. 
Um, she, she loves being with people and she's a lot of fun, but she gets refueled by being by alone time. Yeah. Um, and no one's, you know, purely any of those things were all kind of blends of it. But she said to me at one point, she said, look, our house isn't a hotel and I love having people here, but I don't like them. I, I can't have people in our house all the time or I can't recharge. Mm. And so we created like the center for optimal fun and with the hotel partnership and our own beach bungalow, which still exists, but it was, you know, the idea was, Hey, here's a place where anyone can come anytime they want. And I will go down and visit them. Occasionally we'll have some of these distributors back to our home for special events, but we, we will create a, a very healthy set, set of boundaries as one yeah. simple example. But I think yes. to your point, I'm probably, you know, I probably have fewer boundaries than I should as well. And, um, you know, learning to put those in place and learning how it helps you is a, is a great life lesson. Yeah, that's exactly right. And how it's even played into our family. So try having an emotionally needy, emotionally unhealthy dad with no boundaries, uh, people pleaser. And, and as my daughter's getting older, right? So I, I, I you know, uh, you know, I hug her and kiss her all the time. Well, as she's gotten older, what happens is, right? Teenagers, as they, as the kids get older, they start getting they want more boundaries, right? Yeah, they want some space and, between you and them. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Well, to a guy who never has never had boundaries, so I don't want any space. I always want, you know, and, and so it's one and, bubble. <laughs> that's, right, that's exactly right. And so my daughter, melancholy, choleric, you know, it's very similar to my wife, Kathy. Um, you know, as she's gotten older, she's like, Dad, you got to chill out, bro. You got to relax, right? And, and I would, I would, I would oh, not honor. For, for listeners, what's a melancholy cleric? Okay, yeah. So, so four four personality types. Of course, there's an enneagram, and there's Myers Briggs, and the different personality styles. Uh, the one I use it's very simple. It's it's called Personality Plus by an author named Florence Litauer. Uh, Sanguine is the extrovert. That's me. The choleric type A, which is also a mix of me. Those are kind of the outgoing folks, the the, the type A folks. And then you got the phlegmatic, which is very chill, very calm, very peaceful. Then you got the melancholy who uh, very creative, very analytical, perfectionist, that kind of thing. And, you know, like you said, there's no perfect personality. We're all mixes of, of all different personalities. So my, but my, my daughter and wife are very task oriented people. I'm a very relationship guy. She, they're very uh, task oriented. And what would happen is I would not honor my daughter's boundaries. And so finally Kathy had to pull me aside and said, dude, um, do you want every man in your daughter's life to not honor her boundaries? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, crap, man. What a great thing for a father to hear. I mean, it doesn't feel very good at the time, but it's so healthy. Oh, man, Dave. It was, I mean, and you want to talk about changing my behavior. I instantly, now I, I almost look for ways for her to express her boundary so that I can honor them, right? So I, I want to make it, I want her to have so much confidence in her own boundaries that the second any dude violates those boundaries, she knows how to handle herself. You know what I mean? Good for you, good for her. Wow, that's amazing. What are some of the values of this EQ for entrepreneurs that you would kind of call out as like core values that that drive this thinking? Man, that's great. Man, it's a great question. So I would say empowerment, you know, empowering people, uh, freedom is another big one. Um, respect, respect is huge. Respecting each person as, as, as I feel like everyone should be respected, right? Regardless of political affiliation or whatever, right? Because we've gotten in this society that, oh, you're part of the pink shirt crew. Well, I obviously hate you and you're an idiot and I'm part of the, the, the checkered guy crew. And, and it's crazy, right? How we've, 
again, low EQ. Black hats and white hats, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we, yeah. we somehow we vilify another human being because of the color of their shirt or political party or faith or whatever, fill in the blank. And it's nuts, man. What, you know, we've lost that, the value we're losing. I feel like the value of human, the, the sanctity of human life. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, but, and that'd be another one is just, is just the, the sanctity of life and the value of each individual in it, just because they're human beings, right. not because they believe like I do, or they look like I do or whatever. It's, no, they're a human being. And so we, we should treat everyone with the same respect that, 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 that I hope to be treated with. And, and, but, and here's where EQ comes in, especially, or a, another spot EQ comes in is especially when I'm not treated right. you know, maybe appropriately. Can I, can I have enough emotional intelligence, self-awareness, social awareness, self-management to be able to, to be mature, even when I'm handling, dealing with somebody that doesn't have a high EQ? Right. No, I, we say this a lot on this, um, you know, especially in social media, but also in, in social settings where, you know, what somebody says about you on social media really doesn't tell you much about yourself. How you react to that tells you about yourself. Right. <laughs> That's good. And I think that um, the more that we're aware of that doesn't mean I don't react sometimes. <laughs> Guilty. Um, but it, but when you're aware of it, that you did it and you're aware of it, that you that you have the opportunity to not do it. I think it really changes the game for a lot of us. So it's profound. There's a Satya Nadella is the CEO of Microsoft. And, you know, when he took over Microsoft, it was really this very conflict driven culture that Balmer had set up. And he realized he had, he had been a, he was a, a career Microsoft guy, he built their cloud computing business. And it's from India originally, he's doing a lot of meditation. You know, they have a severely handicapped child that really taught him a, a lot of the, the, I think the life lessons that, that he's developed, um, particularly some of the meditation and just the awareness of others' needs. But he, um, rather than being driven by performance and, these, and, and other ways that we uh, kind of think about success in life. But the first thing he did is he had everyone in the company read um, Nonviolent Communication. And, and that book is all about, I think it's, uh, it's not Marshall McLuhan, but it's, I'll think of his name. But anyways, it's, it's a whole book about when you're communicating with other people, not only using objective, um, you know, some type of an, an objective description. So you're never judging somebody. You're never saying that's dumb. This is smart. This is right. That's wrong. It's just trying to state the facts. Mm. Um, and then he also started to really apply the values that I think you're just talking about, empathy, inclusion, um, a, de a dedication to lifelong learning. Um, and, 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 part of what he said was, look, if you want to build a global business, if you want to build artificial intelligence, and if it's going to be done by, you know, by basically machine learning with computers doing most of this coding themselves, then the values that you, that you, impl that you impart into that world are going to be much more important than your ability to manage the, the mic, you know, micromanage that, that, that world itself. And, um, and if you want to, reach the whole world, it can't be about exclusive, excluding pink shirts or excluding checkered shirts or skin color, religion, et cetera. It's about, it's about finding the common ground between, between shared humanity. And um, I, I just, I think those values that you just described, you know, are really closely aligned with that. And it's, um, it's basically, I think you're basically saying very similar things, but it's, it's so powerful when you start, like right now, I think in America, one of the challenges that I see is, you know, we can barely hear each other. Um, not you and me, but a, a lot of people can't hear each other. One, because of their news sources. So they're seeing a very different picture of reality than somebody else. 
um, but also because they're unwilling to hear the other person, right? There's this commitment to certainty that generates a self-righteous behavior rather than a commitment to curiosity and discovering what, what really happened, including the things we think really happened. Um, is that really true? My older son was dating a, a, a girl who, not the current girl he's dating, but a previous girlfriend whose parents thought very differently than he did about politics. And he said, you know, what I had to figure out was that when I would say this is, this is the way it is, or this is what happened, he said, I actually had to start fact-checking myself. And he said, because it's not worth me just fact-checking the other person. It's more important that I know, actually, am I just repeating something or do I know that actually occurred? And how do I know that occurred? He said, the problem is you can't do that with everything, right? Your brain will naturally just grab onto information that, that feeds your bias rather than trying to discover what, what's, what's truly occurring. And uh, it's a lot of work. And not everybody wants to do that. <laughs> that's so huge, Dave. I think that's such a huge point. You know, I'm sure you've seen the social dilemma. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so, so. Right. By the way, an incredible Netflix film. If people haven't watched the social dilemma, I mean, not only that they uncovered the unintended consequences of social media, which is all about feeding biases, um, but that people who are at the tops of these companies flagged it. were like, wait a minute. There's some things happening here we didn't intend and we need to actually start in, you know, you de very deliberately figuring out how to, how to manage this. Right. Right. That's right. And, and, yeah, it is. Or is that what you're thinking or are you thinking something else? No, no, that's, that's a hundred percent. But so my point is that, so, so, so they've come out and said, Hey, this is what the social media is doing is feeding our biases. But like, I think you had made the point earlier, we do it ourselves too. All the time. That's right. why social media works so well, because it's what humans do, right? A hundred percent. tribal by nature. A hundred percent. So I I feed all of my, so I don't need social media. I'll do it myself, right? I'll, right. I'll feed my own, like, hey, checkered people are the best, right? Checkered shirt people <laughs> are the best. And I'll, oh, look at this article. And I'll, let me do, right? And so I'm going to feed my own biases. And so you're right. I mean, it, 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 it there's no doubt that, that, um, it, it's very hard, not only from a social media standpoint, to be able to think out of the box, but also to fight up against our own human nature to 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 be able to think out of the box. I'm like, let me let me think about David's perspective without my own bias as my filter. That's that's tough for people to do. Well, it's it's that's the hard work, right? And I think that's what makes people humans different than other animals. We can deliberately choose, for example, to add value to somebody else without expecting something back. Animals might have symbiotic relationships, but it's not necessarily intentional. Right. Um, humans can deliberately choose to do that. There's, um, there's an amazing, uh, it, was a, it was a commencement speech that uh, David Foster Wallace gave at Kenyon College. It's been made into uh, videos and, and films and stuff. It's called, um, This Is Water. And it starts with two, two young fish swimming and an old fish swims by and says, hey, fellas, how's the water today? And he keeps swimming and the two young fish keep swimming. And they're like, what's water? Right. They're so immersed in it. They don't know what it is. And he goes on to talk about, you know, these kids graduating from this great school. And he said, look, usually a commencement speech is all about telling you you're going to go out and learn how to you know, you've learned how to think. Now you're going to do great things. And he says, you know, the real work is when you're in line at a grocery store and the clerk shouts at you for no real apparent reason. When there's this reaction, how do you respond to that? Do you think about the backstory? Maybe maybe she's going through bone cancer. Maybe, you know, what are the reasons why this person is behaving that way? 
not your not your inherent response or reaction to it. Are you able to do that work where you can start to live deliberately, where you can choose what you're going to worship? So because and he's by the way agnostic. He said people will worship everything. You know, if you worship money, you'll never have enough beauty. You'll never be beautiful enough, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a pretty good idea. References JC, but he just says it's a pretty good idea to believe in something bigger than yourself. And he says it is the hard work. And I think this is where you were going. The hard work is on a daily basis when you're in the middle of just routine reactions, which is what our brains are programmed to do, when you will check yourself and say, wait a minute, why am I behaving this way? doesn't mean we won't do it as much, all the time, but hopefully not as much. And are we taking inventory? Are we changing that behavior? Are we aware of it? And are we moderating it in a way that's more appropriate for what, who we want to be rather than who we are? Love it. Yeah, totally. And I love that. I'll have to look that up. I wrote that down. This is water. Yeah. water. Another one that, that really hits your, your listening thing, or we really listen to each other, and I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, it. It's the most powerful one and a half minute video on relationships I've ever seen in my life. What is it? Uh, nail in the head. Nail in the head. The head. Wow. Yeah, nail in the head. If you YouTube uh, nail in the head relationships, it'll pop up and it, it's the most powerful one and a half minute video on relationships. Oh, wow. Jeez. And, and it's, and, and it's on, it's on listening and, and, you know, kind of the, you know, what maybe sometimes what a man hears versus what a woman hears or, or what a woman is trying to communicate or, and, and you know, obviously the, the context in, in this video is on the, the between a, a husband, wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, but, um, but the point is still, is still, it, it's, it's, it's taught, like it takes active, it takes active physical, mental, and emotional work. Boom. Right. It's exactly to listen, to listen, to truly, you know, cheesy quote, I'm a cheesy quotes guy, big John Maxwell, big Juan Maxwell, right. Seek first to understand Right. Then we understood by like, like not seek first to listen. Like, okay, you go first, Dave, what do you want to say? And then I've got, okay, but, but how about this? Right? No, no. Once Dave shares his thoughts and, and perspectives now ask some high quality questions and, and to, to see and make sure to discover right. what, what's the thought process behind what David is sharing. What's do do you really understand you know, how did Dave come to that conclusion? How did he come to, to really try and understand each other? I think it's, it's like, this is huge too. So understanding, right? Seeking to understand through asking high quality questions yeah. um, to and then to back brief. Okay, Dave, so let me make sure I, I'm, I'm understanding correctly and correct me if I'm wrong. So Dave, what I, what I heard you say was, right? And then I say, you know, ABC. Well, actually, Noble, you got the B and C right, but it's actually DBE, not you know, ABC, whatever. Right. So, so be able to back brief. So understand, and then back brief, understand through asking questions and back brief. But the other thing that we can do, I think is so huge, man, in relationships, business or personal is validate and affirm, validate and affirm their feelings stated or not stated, validate and affirm. And the power the catharsis that the connection that can happen when when we seek first to understand through asking some high quality questions, which shows care, it shows concern, it shows it shows higher level thinking, then to validate and affirm. So, Dave, let me see. So, 
okay, here's what I feel like you're saying. And, and man, that must make you feel, or I, I sense your, your, you yeah, you're I mean? the what and the why. So here's what I heard you say. Am I getting this right? And sometimes there's corrections there because there's, you know, and then here's why I think you're saying it. Am I getting that right? You know, stated, non-stated, subconscious, non-subconscious or conscious, subconscious. And, you know, and I think at that point, now you're actually, you're at a point where you're going to figure out where you're, where you're, if one, are you getting it right? Why are you, you know, why is it happening? And then, then you can get to a point of, well, here's what I agree with. Man, I love what you said here, here, and here. Then you might have something where like, here's what I don't understand, right? Rather than here's what I disagree with. And I think that's like in the nonviolent communication, that's a big component of it too, which is, you know, not saying here's what I agree with, here's what I don't agree with, because that just sets up a battle, right? Versus right. saying here's what I, I mean, I totally get that. Here's what I agree with the firm, affirm, affirm, and then saying, okay, questions. I didn't quite get this. What did you mean? Because here's what it sounds like to me. And I don't think that's, I don't understand that. Or I don't agree with that. But what did you actually mean there? And that gives you, again, now you're building towards more and more common ground. Even the thing that you think you fundamentally disagree with, you can pick that apart into a lot of things. Maybe we have agreement until you get to some kernel that you don't. And I think most of the time when you do that, you find out you fundamentally agree with people rather than fundamentally disagree. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. There's a, a, another great book, Crucial Conversations, mm. you know, kind of talks a lot about this. Crucial Conversations is one of the best books on communications I've ever read in my entire life. And it, it talks about this, what we, what you just got to saying to a degree, but there, you know, so you've got the, the intellectual level of, of connection uh, and, and understanding and, and everything. But then when you get to the emotional level of connection and communication uh, and understanding, it's a, it's a deeper level of connection. That feeling between the two of us will feel a lot stronger and tighter and, and deeper when it's, when it goes beyond the intellectual down to the emotional. You get into the motivations, right? You get into the, what's, what's driving this whole train. Yeah, that's right. That's you know, exactly in, right. In philosophy, we talk about, I study philosophy in philosophy, particularly in the, in the analytic side, when you're deconstructing an argument, you can spend a lot of time, you know, here's my argument, here's your argument. You can spend a lot of time picking apart the argument, but if you really want to win a debate, you forget about the argument you just go straight to the assumptions you go into what's setting it all right because if you if you if you can unpack the assumptions and you can kind of pull those apart the, the argument doesn't even really matter right and so i think it's that it's that same mentality where you're saying and it's not because you're trying to beat somebody up or win an argument i think winning arguments is a waste of time these days but i think more importantly at least what i'm you know, the big question i've had at dinner parties we have friends on both sides of the of the aisle you know one of my good friends is a so one of my friends was Dana Rohrbacher, who was our congressman, Republican for a lot of years. Uh, Harley Root is also a really good friend of mine. He's our, in fact, probably closer to Harley. Um, he's also a Republican. He's, he's a Democrat, took Harley, took Dana's seat, just was unseated himself. Um, but another really good friend of mine. And, um, you know, when we were having dinner parties or discussions about all these things, uh, it does devolve into debate sometimes. But... When it gets into a personal conversation, I don't like Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or, you know, I hate Donald Trump or whatever those those types of non-objective statements are. Um, what I've been saying to people is, look, I don't really care about that. That's a boring, that's an uninteresting conversation to me. Mm -hmm. What I'm really interested in is how do we build a country again? And I think the only way we build a country again is actually picking a problem together that we're that even though we may come at this from different angles, 
that we're both going to try and solve because that's how we're going to build common ground. That's how we're going to do something productive. And actually, this is going to take us somewhere that can help us make something great again, rather than just you know throw us further down into arguments and and, and some version of division. A hundred percent. That's that's brilliant. And and so, so not how the, the the these last presidential debates went, right? I was like, oh my god! I, mean, it, I don't even think it was a debate. I don't know what it was. It, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to think that these are the two guys that are are vying for the the highest seat, you know, uh, in our in our country. Again, they, from just from an emotional intelligence perspective, I was just like, wow. And not that I've got a high EQ. I'm not saying that, but I'm you know, this is kind oh, of the space I'm in. Totally and it, I was just like, man, you got like what, you know, anyway, you know, what examples? Well, your, sure. Well, I, I think to your point, right. I think, you know, the president has a couple key jobs. One is to create a vision for the country that he can bring the country together on. And I think the second thing is to pass a budget. And the way you pass the budget is because you have a vision that the country can come together on. Those are the two jobs of the president fundamentally, in my opinion. And if you can't, if, if your whole work is to create division in the country rather than unity. I think it's a fundamental flaw in that in the person in that office. And we've had that problem with more than more than uh, you know more than one president lately. And uh, I I think to your point that debate was just kind of an, an example of of the politics that we've uh, that we deserve right now unfortunately, which means we've got some work to do on ourselves if we want the politics to change. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and ultimately, the, the the health of our of our country, the health yep. of, and, you know, of, of our country, I think, um, you know, not 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 that, you know, because I, I also like this statement, I've heard, you know, another cheesy quote, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, it matters who's in your house, right? So it's a cheesy quote. I mean, it does, because we're impacted by obviously who's in the White House. So, you know, I get the point of that statement that, you know, take responsibility for what's going on in your own house. Um, uh, but I think you know, to your point, culture is driven, right? Culture drives politics, not vice versa. So politics is naturally reactive and culture tends to drive the political outcomes that we get. And I think to your point, if, you're, if your house isn't, is, I mean, who's in the White House is a reflection of who's in your house. And so it, you can say it doesn't matter, but in a way it does, because if we pick, for example, reality TV stars or geriatrics or, you know, not the I'm not trying to be an ageist here, but my goodness, if we can't pick, you know, it's a job that takes a lot of physicality. If we can't pick young, active, high potential individuals who have strong emotional quotients to be in that office, that's a reflection on us. And I think right. that a lot of questions about the work that we have to do as a country in order to get that office right. A hundred percent. One of the things too, another one of my favorite books, um, uh, it is called... Oh man, I'll have to think about it. One of the things that this guy talks about is um, it, it's a it's a leadership book, and, and he he talks about one of the ways that you can tell the culture, the actual culture of an organization. Because again, leadership and self deception. Some leaders will say, "Oh, this is what our culture is," but it's actually not. That's what you want it to be in your head. That's what you think it is, but the culture of an organization, based on this guy's book. He, which I agree with is what, what language is being used, right? What, what's being talked about? Sure. What's being talked about? What, what's the hierarchy of values and the hierarchy of ideas and the hierarchy of topics, right? What's being celebrated? 
Yeah. Who is being celebrated? What are the metrics? What's getting <laughs> measured? Right. We measure it. We can manage it. Yeah. Right. So that tells me it's like this. Someone can tell me what their values are or show me your time budget and show me your financial budget. And I'll actually tell you what your actual values yeah. are. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you hang on the wall. It's how you how you actively pursue your life, right? How you oh. deliberately pursue your daily daily actions. Oh. So, so look at our country, right? So, looking at at, at the U.S., you know, Tiger King, right? Oh, I, I've never seen it. I, I've only heard about it. But like the fact that our nation was obsessed with this thing called the Tiger King, which again, I haven't seen it, so I, you know, but but what does that say about our country that? that a bunch of folks are digging Tiger King. And again, I haven't seen it. So um, it's the night of reality TV. I mean, I think to your point, um, we have a reality TV stars president. We have one of the most, I, I watched Tiger King. It will score your DNA. It will mark you with trauma. Um, it's, you know, I mean, the first, after watching the first episode, I was, we were literally like, what are we watching? Um, and uh, to our own discredit, we continue to watch the rest of the series. <laughs> But I, everyone, everyone says that. Everybody yeah. says that same thing. Like a train wreck, you can't look away. You know, there's a, hey, there's a hanging in the town square. I guess I'm gonna go watch. Right, right. Yeah, that's exactly. It's the it's the Jerry Springer effect, right? Like our country has turned into like Jerry Springer, and it's like, man, seriously, like we, you know what I mean? But it's it's crazy, man. It's really have you seen the movie Idiocracy? No, uh. Uh-uh. You got to write that one down. It's very funny. It's Luke Wilson. Uh, it was, it was the, the sad thing is it was created, I think 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Um, more, it'll, it's hilarious. And it'll make me, it makes us very sad for our souls when we watch it at the same time. <laughs> it's, uh, I'll, I'll let you watch it. I won't, uh, I won't go further than that, but yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great one that I think completely highlights 20 years ago where the country might be headed and um, unfortunately seems to be ringing truer and truer every year, more and more true. Yeah. So yeah. what are the, what, what's the big, what's the barrier you're trying to break through right now going into 2021? What's, yeah. uh, what do you, what's your big, where are you guys headed? Where Kathy and Noble Gibbons and, and your daughter, where are you guys headed into the, into the new year? So we, we want to, to be a part of, of helping people become healthier emotionally. Uh, you know, because again, emotionally healthy people help heal other people emotionally. And I, and I just feel like there are no negative consequences with healthier emotionally people, in my opinion. You right. know, I just, I don't see any negative from, from healthier emotionally people. And, and we, we want to be a part of that right now. What we've noticed again, being in this space for a year now, uh, very intentionally, there's two types of people that are familiar with EQ. There's C-level, right? Yeah. So the, the all the C-level, C-suite folks, and then academia is pretty familiar. But the, the rest of the planet is, is really not super familiar, oddly enough, because it's not a new, it's probably 40, 50, 60 years old, right. but it's still not now because of COVID, there's definitely been a, a push, which has been, which has been tremendous. So we're trying to, to bring EQ to the masses, you know, to you know, again, entrepreneurs, the military, homeschooling, athletes, you know, you know, people that that are hungry people, because like you said, one of the other things you said earlier on, you have to have a growth mindset, right, right. To, to grow emotionally. And the, the, the and it can feel like it's, it's taking three steps forward and two steps back. 
Sure. Because as you step into this space, you will start to feel more and, and more of those emotions. You may feel like, oh, well, this is an unpleasant emotion. I want to avoid this, which again, I've got a PhD in, but that doesn't mean that it's not working. That actually means it is working, right? right? That you are feeling more and stuff. So anyway, we're wanting to bring EQ to the masses and, um, and to, and to leaders and influencers. I really feel like I'm called to leaders and influencers specifically because they in turn have, have a much, a much greater reach. So the healthier emotionally leaders and influencers that, that we can help out with the, the better. You know, to that, to that point, you know, sort of dwelling in it um, and maybe feeling like you're not moving forward. Rob was saying to me, you know, on this last tour, and I think he's done this in the past too, but he's really been in touch with it more on this tour. He said, you know, um, his, his own personal, very personal stories would bring out these in Q and a some sort of wild um, areas of emotional distress in other people. And he said, you know, his normal pastor training is you want to respond and have an answer for that or some cliche or something. And he said, you know, people would say, I lost my child. What does this tell me? You know, and they go into this, this very difficult story and, he's, and they'd say, what do you, what do you have to say to that? Or how can you help me with that? And he said, rather than respond, one of the things I had to learn was to just ask everyone to take a moment and to be quiet and to dwell in that feeling and that space and become fully aware of it. Because until you're fully aware, until you dive deeply into that emotion, you can't, you can't understand it. Um, I did a podcast about this. I was one of my, when I was really, really busy, I was in this, um, space where I, I would feel untethered from time to time because I was a new city, new country, going, going around the world 12 times a year. And I would get to these deep senses of, I don't, I don't know how to say it, feeling like I was about to fall off the world. And, um, and I had to learn to kind of dive more deeply into it, to dwell in it, not to try and hide from it or push it away, to understand it and to unpack it because that's the only way to get through it. That's but right. to your point, when you're diving into it, it doesn't get better. It feels a lot worse for a while. Right. That's exactly right. And, like and, and, yeah. and not allowing that feeling to trigger you to stop the process, but actually to stay in it, that that's actually a confirmation that you are moving in the right direction right. is, oh, crap, I'm feeling these unpleasant emotions. Don't run, fight or flight. Don't don't flight. But like, let me, let me stay in this because the only way to is through the only yeah. way to freedom is through these issues. And then you can experience the freedom on the other side. This has been an absolutely profound podcast, Noble. I'm so happy we did this. And it's, it's, uh, you know, the best ones are always uh, a little bit, you know, unplanned. I think we just decided to do this in the last couple of days, but um I really, truly appreciate your time. I'd like to come back and, and do unpack this more uh, because this is really, really good stuff. Maybe we can pick one of these, one of these top, I mean, we could break down these four topics in a series of ongoing podcasts later, but um, please. That'd be amazing, bro. And I'd love to interview you at some point uh, on our podcast as well, if you'd be open to it. Of course, always happy to, I'd love, I'd love, would, would love to do it. Um, but please give my best to Kathy and, and uh, really just um, keep up the good work. This, uh, this sounds incredible and, uh, and very necessary right now for, for many of us, me included. 
So thank yeah. you very much. for Yeah, being thank you, bro. Totally appreciate it, brother. Give the family hugs, man. I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you. Awesome. So this is Noble and Kathy Givens, EQ for Entrepreneurs. We'll have links on the podcast. And this has been another Kick Aspirational podcast. Uh, this is not a spectator sport. Remember, whatever you do this week, among all other things, please be Kick Aspirational.